Welcome everybody to Dojo Talks Candidates, our first episode where we talk about the candidates tournament. It won't be the last. We're going to talk about this candidates tournament more than once, as promised by Jesse uh, and seconded by me. It takes uh, two out of three sensei votes to uh, to pass a topic here in the dojo. <laughs> so you're guaranteed to get another Dojo Talks Candidates before the thing is done. Maybe even before it starts, <laughs> who knows how many times we'll revisit this. Um, and as you can see, we're going to be ranking the odds of the eight presumptive qualifiers for the candidates. Uh, this is kind of assuming that Ding plays enough games to get that last rating sp spot that will be replacing um, Karyakin. But before we rank everybody, we just want to talk a little bit about this wrinkle to the candidates qualification process. We've talked about Karyakin getting Band. Now let's talk about Karyakin getting replaced for a moment. So my question to you guys is, let's say that Ding Li Ren, after a year of inactivity, suddenly plays 20 games against fellow Chinese grandmasters in two weeks time and qualifies for the candidates off of a rating spot. How would you two feel about that? Um, yeah, so... I guess it's a you know, really strange question. Um, I haven't had a lot of time to think about it um, because my my first feeling was that like you know if the games are legitimate then the games are legitimate and and who cares uh, and if the games aren't legitimate and or if there's any pressure in any kind of way then that's obviously not not fair. Um, but uh, but then I don't know. I mean that's like. It does kind of um, push players to try and uh, and bend the process a bit in terms of qualification because people are now speculating. Well, why can't X player now just play thirty games against someone else and just win and you know you know get the rating that way and and so on. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like if people start doing that, we might have like a very serious <laughs> issue on our hands. So it is worth talking about, and I'm, I'm honestly not really sure how. I feel. So let, let me ask Jesse. All mark okay. of a reasonable person. He's not sure. He wants to hear some more information. What do you think, Jess? <clears throat> okay. So first, let's just back up. Last week, we talked about Karyakin getting banned. This has then opened the door to the regulations, which no one had read before because normally they don't pertain. The regulations saying that the next person, if that happened, if they need an emergency replacement the next person by rating would get in that person however needs to be active on the active list and we got to say one of the greatest mysteries of the last couple years of COVID time has been bing buddy you're one of the greatest players you're definitely the greatest chinese player ever one of the greatest talents the world has ever seen in addition why haven't you been playing a lot of chess fans don't really know. A lot of chess fans way before this thing went down were like, wait a second, where's Ding? Since the last candidates tournament basically played nothing, nothing. And so in addition to just the weirdness of it, it's like, well, uh, dude, how do you expect to be playing at the top level without playing? And mm -hmm. there's speculation like, oh, maybe it was hard to travel for him because of the Chinese stringent COVID laws and stuff. But obviously, he could play within the country as he's doing now. 
Um, okay, so that's the weird thing. Yeah. Does anybody understand that? I don't think they do. I did some scrawling around on the internet. And I couldn't really get clear answers about why Ding. Well, let me um, You'll go ahead. Let me clarify a little bit. I think it's not clear if it was um, COVID restrictions from China or something with, with FIDE. There were some very vague statements from FIDE saying like they tried everything they could to get Ding to play, but it just wasn't possible. Uh, so it was never really made clear who exactly forbid him from traveling slash playing. But he did play in online events like Everything's Masters and uh, the Chess 24 events. He played in several of those. True. So yeah. not really fair to say like he hasn't been playing at all. Right. And so actually what Kosia is referencing is so he hasn't you know, hadn't played a big over the board event. What Kosia is referencing is the uh, Grand Prix, which just qualified Nakamura. No, no, no. I was talking about the Chess 24 online events. No, no. But what you were you referencing both. You referenced the fact that he didn't play in oh, the Grand Prix. Yeah, right? he didn't play. It was like we tried to get him to the Grand Prix. Well, he, he didn't play in any of the qualifiers. So the World Cup, the Grand Swiss, or the Grand Prix. Right, right, right. right. He was okay. scheduled to play in the Grand Prix and then basically didn't show up, right? Yeah. So that was weird. That was yeah. weird. My own personal take as a fan is that he got injured in a bike accident ages ago pre-COVID. And then it's kind of, I don't know, something's going on. Right. You don't know if it was COVID or the broken leg. And and as somebody pointed out, in, as Seth pointed out in chat, right? I mean, Yu Yang Yi played in the Grand Prix. So it's not like no Chinese player right. has been able to travel or go to any tournament. So here's their number one guy. Where is he? I, I, I think it's a mystery. Right. And then we just have then the, the moral question, which I guess I did a long-winded, doing a long-winded response to was, is it cool for him to be playing his fellow people who might be throwing games or might be going easy on him to play, I think he has to play 30 games to get back on the active list. And within those 30 games, he can't drop uh, so many points that he loses his spot by rating, this new rating thing. And we will say it's very suspicious. And let me put it this way. I don't think Ding would, if the games are being tossed or if they're going soft on him, Ding wouldn't know himself. So you can't blame Ding if it's if we come to the conclusion that a lot of these games are being thrown to him. Okay, we can't blame him. It would be, though, either pressure on the, his fellow Chinese players to be, go easy on him or just the psychological factor where you're like, well, we want our guy to play. Yeah. So me losing a game or two extra to him isn't a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I think it's extreme to say like, oh, the games are definitely being thrown. But right. at the very least, like they're not idiots. They understand that if they draw their games, he's going to lose rating. <laughs> he might not then qualify. Yeah. I, mean, I don't or know if they exactly win their games. what the, the math is, but right. yeah, just like so there is this pressure that, you know, they don't actually want to to beat him. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, if you if you imagine Kostya playing a match against Jesse of like 12 games and he needs to get through that match to qualify for the U.S. senior championship, he just uh -huh. needs those 12 games to be played. But he can't lose more than like two rating points or something like that or yeah. some other dude's going to pass him. And you have to play those 12 games against somebody that, you know, sort of like on your team in a way. Yeah. <laughs> It's tough to really like psych yourself up to crush the guy, right? No, I mean, I would first of all need huge convincing just to play the match because yeah. for me, it would just be like huge conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And then even if I did, yeah, during the match, I would feel like I would feel bad about winning games. And as a result, even if I was trying to win, I think I would just play worse just because of the, the situation. So I've once been in a situation a little bit like that. Maybe I was playing against John Donaldson in the last round of a tournament. And he was playing for a GM norm. And that's that's even much less than all this. Right. Mm -hmm. But but I was like, I wasn't going to be happy if I won the game. But did he need a win or a draw? Yeah, he needed to win the game. In the last round. Yeah, no, I mean. Oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have let him through. You you let him through, boss? Did you let him through? <laughs> he beat me. I, I, no, I you mean, let I him through? You gotta you're a gatekeeper, my friend. You don't just let a guy through. Yes, sir. I, I understand. It's very important. But I was also I was also younger, Jesse, and it was like harder to like get your head right for every situation, oh, right? Man. It's not like I threw the game. Like I played my best that day, which sucked. Like I lost so badly, you know, and maybe he would have beaten me no matter what, but it was really uh, a lame effort no but that that's fine okay if the guy needs to win i think no one's going to ask you to uh, to throw the game um but uh if he needed a draw then i think that's kind of tough i mean i wouldn't take i wouldn't take a draw i would play the game but i'm just saying like i felt that i played worse right so i'm just saying like in this kind of situation even if everyone's above board there's an element where you might just be playing worse that's my closest uh -huh. experience they'll be like that where it's like you don't have your normal full motivation in a way i would give him the draw honestly <laughs> <laughs> what is the draw though he had to win he had to win i i um, think it's it's hard to get norms and so if i can help people get norms i'm i'm all for no, it no 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 let me tell you let me tell you Kosi. once you become a gm you're out to never let anybody else. Yeah, nobody yeah. Once, else. Once I nobody become a GM, else. sure. No, yeah. I'm done. Nobody else did. Nobody. <laughs> no, but until then, I'm fighting. I'm fighting P Day until then. Nobody else comes <laughs> through, my friend. I'm especially motivated in that circumstance. All right. So Topic me, for me, another day. Helping let, hand or gatekeepers. But <laughs> let me uh, let me back ask to Dings Back to this thing. I, I want to say as a fan, even though this whole thing looks dubious. I just want to backtrack and say originally in candidates tournaments of years gone by, the tradition was that the top two rated people who weren't already qualified would get in. And I thought that was fair. I did always think that was a good thing to have in there <clears throat> just to guarantee that the level was very high. So in, in, if we had applied the old standard, then he would have gotten in. And you know who else would have gotten in? Aronian. Would have gotten it. Aronian is now out. It's a real bummer for Aronian fans because the guy really is at the end of his career in terms of being able to fight at this level. He's almost he's getting on to 40. He's getting out there, right? So from that perspective, as dubious as this looks, I don't have that much trouble with it. And I definitely wanted Ding. I still, I definitely want to see Ding in this event. I think the guy has to be there to give the whole thing credibility. Uh, and we'll talk about where we think he's going to place in a second. But I'm as a fan, as dubious as this whole process looks, as a fan, I'm happy that he is there. Yeah. So I think that this system is like completely not OK. And I suspect that a lot of people are OK with it in this instance, that my emotional reaction at first was like, cool, ding. You know, I think I think it's basically it's sort of case by case rather than structurally correct, right? So basically on a case by case basis, I think most people suspect that the ding mystery is some form of a ding tragedy, right? Like 
Mm. Like there's something wrong. Mm. He should, you know, that's keeping him from playing. It's a sad thing. It's not his fault, et cetera. We assume it's something like that. Right. And we'd love to see him play. So there's that. So everybody's like, oh, dang. Yeah. You know, like he deserves it. He's been having a tough time. Right. Like he hasn't been getting <laughs> to play chess. And then secondarily, you've got a big rating gap between Ding and the next person. Right. But remember, it's not just about playing 30 games. It's got to be who has the highest rating at the end of April, I think. Right. On the May list. So let's say Ding's rating were only five points ahead of Aronians or five points ahead of, you know, Wesley right. So and Mamed Yarov or something like that, right? Let's say he were, instead of 20 or 30 points ahead, he were like three points ahead, five points ahead. And then suddenly he's playing a tournament against only compatriots. It right? doesn't look good. I, There's, yeah, doesn't it, look good. It, would be on, it would be beyond bad. Right now, people are like, yeah, he could lose a game or two. He would still qualify by rating, whatever, let him coast mm -hmm. through. But you have to have, you have to have a system in place that would make sense for different scenarios, right? If you're ahead by five, if you're down by five, what if you were five points behind Aronian and then, you know, beat all these, you know, beat all these compatriots. And I would, I would point out this to get a title norm. You need to play people from another country just to get an IM norm. You got to play people yeah, from a few other that? countries, <laughs> not because everyone cheats. Mm -hmm. None of my argument has anything to do with saying that Ding would cheat. But because you can't have that that possibility, you can't have that question mm -hmm. around it, mm -hmm. right? And so if you can't get a norm playing your countrymen, how can you play in the world championship off of only playing your countrymen? It's not a real tournament on a real calendar with like people from multiple federations. Mm -hmm. It, to me, it's barely a tournament. It's just like a setup. Um, and I, I don't think that's that's correct for uh, deciding who's in the world championship candidates tournament, even though basically everyone's going to be happy to see him in there. Everyone's going to be happy with the results, let's say, or most people are going to be happy with the results. I'll be happy to see him in that tournament. But I disagree with the process. I think it's absolutely wrong. Yeah, but I think I think you make an important point there to me, which is that like. I think people are kind of okay with it because they consider Ding to be like the rightful heir to the candidate spot. They feel like he should just get it anyway, and that's why people aren't. But if someone who was like outside the top 10 just started like racking up wins, then people would be like up in arms about then it. And suddenly they would say, what's this system? You know, Topolov hasn't played in a year. What are these tournaments in Bulgaria that he just went like 30 and zero in? Uh -huh. Yeah. Or another interesting thought experiment is let's say Aronian had got some of his Armenian bros together and was like, mm. well, guys, <laughs> I got 30 days. I got 30 days. You guys got to throw me all the games. Here we yep. go. That's that. That was one of the sub questions I had for you guys. How would you feel if Aronian or someone else played 20 games against their compatriots this month yeah. and passed thing yeah. on rating word yeah. for word? It's in there in the document. Well, yeah, yeah. Like here's he may thing. have burned the bridges with the Armenians. That's why I wrote compatriots. I don't know if it's Armenians <laughs> or Americans right now, but. <laughs> um, well, like this just brings me back to my point about how silly it is to have this like weird convoluted qualifying process when the only thing people really care about is like the top 10 rating list. And if like the top 10 by rating aren't in the candidates, then there's something wrong with the candidates. That's my feeling. That's all. So I don't really blame Ding or anyone else for trying to exploit the system because to me it's it's a weird system, especially if it encourages this like r rating racing at the end. And that's that's very odd, of course. 
I mean, there's better and worse versions of it, right? Like one simple way to deal with the rating race is it could be average rating over the last 12 right. rating lists or something like that. Then somebody couldn't just suddenly play 30 games and get a rating that's 30 points higher than their normal rating. <laughs> yeah. And we got We got to say in, in Fide's defense, like this thing was obviously like a provision that was nobody was reading because the, the whole of the eventuality of the way we've landed here, no one's expected it to happen. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of, and, and what is he, what, what are they supposed to do? He had to play the games. Would you not yeah. play the games? No, you play the games, play the games. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I don't disagree with Ding playing. I'm glad that yeah. he's playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just think this, I think the system is is wrong, you know, and, and I agree, Jesse, it may have been like an afterthought of an afterthought that nobody really expected to come into play or proofread or discuss too much. But if they're going to do something like this, I mean, it would have to be something better in the future. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, I think, you know, why did the rating requirement, there used to be, as I said, two ratings, two spots by rating. And I think that was averaged out by a 12 month. If Probably. In any case, but but maybe part of the argument for getting rid of it was precisely the rating race that we're witnessing here with Ding. Right. Yeah, because one thing you could do with that rating race, I remember was if you did well in January or whatever, if you did well at Wake on Zay, then you could lighten your schedule and yeah. have that high rating get logged in for March, April, May, several months, and then maybe play some more towards the end of the year. But if you lost points, it wouldn't hurt your year's average as much. Right, exactly. So it, it had its issues as well. <clears throat> okay, cool. Are we going to rank these guys? Let's rank them. Let's rank them, man. Oh, it's, we're going to fight over here. This is going to be good. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be tough. Um, All right. Uh, Jesse, you're, you're the first column, so you can go first each time if you don't mind, and you can start us off with your eighth place prospective finisher. Who will be the blood that the other sharks feed on? Oh, is that how we do it? Or I thought we were going to rank each player, or do we start with eighth place? No, Either we're way. starting with eighth place. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. All right, now let me just see this if I... Oh, there's a fancy way. We're going to see if I, we're going to see my Excel spreadsheet. Uh, there it is. Rogers in eighth place, my friends. Mm -hmm. And while you guys are about to do your own eighth place, I just want to say <clears throat> the Raja thing is also a little controversial. Raja has not played. <laughs> he hasn't played at all in the last couple of years. And let's just recap in the last candidate cycle, dude decided that covid was too scary so he dropped out and at and and then they were going to let him back that he was like talk of are we going to let him back in and fide said no way bro you're gone and then there was a whole stink and then they were like okay roger because we feel bad about what we did we'll let you in for the next time now does he belong here though no the guy hasn't even been playing give me a break so he's going last okay so guys if you want um, an average to display, we're going to have to put numbers uh, in these oh, slots. Yeah. So I was thinking you guys could put an eight in the Rajabov. That's, that's uh, correct. Rank. Thanks and then, for, yeah. Oh, I see. Thanks I for see. that, okay. Kostya. Well mm -hmm. fixed. Yeah, no worries. Um, and hopefully this will make, make sense to people. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I've honestly haven't thought about this, guys, for more than a couple minutes just while we were, we were talking, but um, he was also my number eight. 
uh, sure. pick. <laughs> so, sorry. I just, you know, it, it just hasn't been playing. He didn't play the last one. I don't know. I The, the last time I saw him play OTB, I, I think he, he was making, like, a lot of draws with White. It just wasn't, I don't know. I'm hoping he does better. I'm hoping to see the, the classic Rajabov. And uh, something I just want to add, the what you see on the left there, that list, is what the current rating is, rating mm-hmm. list of all the players. <clears throat> yeah. So Rajabov is the seventh highest rated of these eight players currently. These are active ratings. Nakamura at the Grand Prix this past week, past Duda and Rajabov. And, and also, we got to say, Ding, in his furious games against his fellow <laughs> Chinese people, has passed Faruja. Yeah. And he was yeah. previously not past Faruja. So. Yeah, he just passed Faruja and Rapport just passed Nepo. So there's been some shakeup here. Um, and actually, somebody pointed out there's three inactive players in this tournament, so to speak, right? Ding, Naka, and Rajabov. And the only two who've recently played, Naka and Ding, they've just passed people <laughs> right. when they came back and played. They haven't shown, you would you would normally say like, oh, these dudes are going to be rusty. They haven't played for two years. Let's rank them lower than their rating. But coming up at the moment. Okay. You guys want me to go again here? Rank sure. number seven? Who's coming in seventh? All right, I'm going to say Naka is coming in seventh. And maybe I'll just speak a little bit to that. Uh, Various of no one thought that Naka was going to win this thing. I definitely didn't. Very surprising. Um, And I will say with this ranking of the seven, obviously there's a whole counter narrative of being like, wait a second, Naka has suddenly found his game by taking a break from chess and thereby maybe having the weight of all the expectations that were on him since childhood uh, off him. And now he's just playing for fun, as he likes to put it. Let me tell you something, though. There's going to be nothing fun about this event. (laughs) This event is going to be a death match, you know, and it's not just going to be some funny, fun, fun in the sun. I'm, I would. I wish him the best, but I'm putting him at seven. These other guys have been working hard at it, and uh, he he might. I think he he and Rajabov are going to get mauled. Basically, that is my prediction. Okay. Well, I'm putting him seventh, whereas he has a good chance of finishing eighth because <laughs> Rajabov makes a lot more draws than this guy usually. And here's somebody who's got some weakness. As the tournament goes long, and if they take a couple blows, I'm putting Nepo at seventh. Okay. Broken in Dubai. Haven't seen anything from him <laughs> since. And uh, I think it was a shock that he won the last candidates thing. He really benefited from it being split into two shorter tournaments. And uh, this time it's going to get ugly for Nepo in the second half. And <clears throat> he could well end up below Raja. Wow. Okay. Wow, David, that is really, really harsh. Um, I also have Nepo at seven. Yeah. Okay, next. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm gonna my I'm going now sixth, and I'm gonna say uh, Nepo is sixth. So also, I guess you know. It's an interesting thing, like, um, let me just say, I was very surprised in the last candidates tournament that Nepo came out on top. Um, 
Could he make a surprise this time around? Possible. It's definitely possible. And I want to say from whereas I don't really I can't imagine Nakamura or Rajabov winning this event. I can imagine everyone else. And now I have clear favorites, but as like just realm of possibility, I could imagine Nepo winning it. But still, he's number six for me here. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree that even though I put him seventh, he has some small yeah. chance of winning the whole event. Um, but he also might have like the highest chance of anyone of finishing eighth because he can really like put together several losses in a row. He doesn't do that stabilizing draw thing that a lot of top players like to do, mm-hmm. you know, where you try and force a draw with white just to just to get on the board. Anyway, my sixth place candidate is Young Christoph Duda. of Poland ready for the likes of the top three here. The 2800 club is, uh, <clears throat> is waiting for him, but it's, he's not there yet. Okay. Cool. Oh, this is fun. I'm liking this. Um, I, <laughs> I put, uh, Naka at number six, just cause I'm kind of with, um, with Jesse, I feel like it's going to be like a long tournament. He might end up doing really well, but yeah, to me, it, okay. It seems, it just seems less likely than um, all the uh, all the other candidates. Um, also, I think it's very funny how everyone is just like, "Oh, he's just like a streamer." <laughs> I mean, you know, he, uh-huh. he used to be like really good. I mean, he <laughs> definitely could still like he could even win the whole thing if he showed up in, in fantastic form. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, I mean. He's outpaced some really good players in these Grand Prix. It wasn't, you know, Ding Faruja Caruana, but it was pretty good. It, it was a pretty high level, some of the people he was playing against, and the quality of his play was super high. So you guys will see I have him even one spot higher than you. Okay. Okay, just right. number five spot. Number five, right. So let me just say... Um, I was inclined, before, let's say a month or so ago, to say that Duda was the dark horse and I would have put him at four. I'm putting him though at five because I like the, I think the recent play of Rapport has been inspiring. And I think like Rapport has always been this very interesting player uh, who clearly can play certain positions, you know, as good as anybody. But when I'm talking about, let's call him dynamic, hair bending mind bending positions reports always been able to play well but he's really shown in the with this last cycle that he can you know take it game after game bring it game after game so i think duda and rapport are still my dark horses but i'm going to give rapport the slight edge so that's why duda is number five i do really feel that in the last couple years Duda has made good progress. He's 23. And so I think he's definitely got space for growth. Now, our good friend at Chess Numbers will is going to basically, for the most part, use in his statistical prediction, he's going to use ratings. And the interesting thing about using ratings is Duda at 27.50, once you put that into the calculator, no, Duda is not going to be having nearly any kind of uh, reasonable chance 
so there it is, because Duda is, as we see, 2750 at the moment, Rajabov 2753, the Rajabov hasn't played in forever. Um, and that rating, by the way, really still goes back to the time, you know, when he was, when he, before this, before the last candidate tournament, you know, he hasn't really played any serious events since. Okay, so there we, there it is, mm-hmm. Duda at five. Yeah, as far as the ratings, I will say, the, the highest rated player versus the lowest rated player, depending on whether or not you count Ding's 10 Chinese points that he just gained, mm-hmm. the spread is somewhere between 50 and 60 points total over the eight right. players, right? Yeah. So I think that if you do it on pure rating percentages, it, what, what chess numbers will show is that it's very stable who's ahead and who's behind, but yeah. that no one's going to be a dramatic favorite. It's going to be like a couple percent for each for each player. Well, well, but remember, this is going to be a double round robin. And, and I think what's going to, when you run the numbers, when remember one of the great things that chess numbers showed with the Carlson Nepo match is at the point, at that point, I think it was like 50, 60 points between the two at 50, 60 points. You're almost out of luck, buddy. <laughs> you're almost out of luck. It doesn't seem yeah. like that big of a gap, but oh, the longer you play, the longer the match, the more that 50 or 60 points plays into it, you know? I I agree, but I think basically, like if you're talking the difference between 2790 and 2780, a 10-point difference, for example, it's it's gonna take it's gonna take something like 15 or 20 games for you to on average finish one point ahead of the other player. So it's not like it's it's not like you finish way ahead of them, right? With a match. The percentage is 90 plus percent for uh, Magnus against Nepo, but the average score is not that he wins by six points. You know, mm-hmm. he only needs to win by three points. So. Okay. Oh, okay. Number five. <clears throat> Number five. Nakamura. I almost want to put him higher because the quality of his play uh-huh. at these Grand Prix has been super high. Um, and it wasn't just, you know, four games or six games at this point he's played, uh, let's say 12, 16, 18, 18 games, I think of classical chess. And of course his rapid looked good as well in the tie breaks. So, um, yeah, I think, I think he's, I think he's playing really well. Um, but yeah, that's as high as I can put him. Well, I think you guys definitely clearly have a focus on the ratings because your bottom four uh, are all kind of corresponding to the rating list, which is interesting. Hmm. I have put uh, Rapport at number five. Uh-huh. Okay. Breaking breaking the mold. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know, I just, I, I guess I, I believe in Duda a little bit more, um, although I, I really like Rapport. Uh, as as a player and, and i would love to see him uh do well um i'm just i'm really just playing the odds here i just feel like duda has slightly better chances just my take i mean like he uh did great at the world cup i thought he was super impressive there and uh i also i feel like once you beat magnus like in a match like you're just not afraid of anyone anymore right so i feel uh-huh. like there's no reason why duda can't do really well um against this field 
So fair enough. And like I said, I, I that was my sense just like a month ago. So maybe I have recency bias there too. Mm-hmm. I could be a victim of my own recency bias. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with that said, uh, I'm close with you, and rapport is number four for me. Mm. Crunch. Okay. Uh, number four for me, Caruana. Holy oh, wow. He's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he has a good chance to finish in the top four. He could even win the tournament, but probably not. Very interesting. Time to get past. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have uh, I have Duda at four. Yeah. So I believe in him, but not not that much. <laughs> like number yeah. four, think solid, but could could be higher. Okay, now it gets interesting. Um, let me just say that, to my mind, like there's a big difference between the, the level of um, the next three and the rest. And the way to me that that's visible is Caruana has been in the, Caruana and Ding, okay, have been in the top three basically for years and years. They've proven that they're on a higher level than the rest. You take somebody like Naka, he's entered the top 10, stayed there for a little bit, got top, you know, tapped out, not on the same level. Nepo, kind of a similar story, not always even in the top 10. And then, you know, guys like Rajabov touched the top 10, largely were out of it, you know, for most of their career. Um, what was it, 2003, when Rajabov beat Kasparov as a kid, it was like, that was Rajabov's moment. I was like, oh, maybe the kid's got something. Maybe the kid's got something. <laughs> and since then, you know, it's never been just nearly on the level. And I want to say, you know, to maintain that kind of top three spots as Caruana and uh, Ding have done, I mean, that, to me, it's like they would have been world champions if it weren't for Magnus. Right, which really shows like the, the level that Magnus is at. Um, and I've always felt as a fan, especially recently, that Ding should have had a shot. It would have been just interesting for Ding to have a shot. Okay, with all that said, all that fanfare, I am putting Ding at number three, and mostly I'm driven by... Wait, Ding or Caruana? Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. That's why I did that. So wait a second. Uh, Ding at three. And that's driven mostly because I don't understand Ding's health. I don't understand what's been going on with his psychology the last couple of years. And maybe most of all, I just believe that you have to be playing on a regular basis. Uh, and that's partly just my own experience as a player, right? Like I've taken time off too, and it's not the easiest thing to suddenly go back into it. Um so that's what's driving me to say Ding is number three. But I do want to stress for me, those top three, uh, if we were going to put it, express it in terms of probability, it's just much higher than the rest. I would say something like if you take uh, like top three versus the rest of the field, something like 80 or 75 percent that one of those is going to win. Mm. Yeah, right, I mean, maybe. that's possible. That's three versus five, right? So it's not, they're not tremendously outnumbered. 
Um, okay, in third place, um, I've got the same guy as you, Jesse. Um, Dingley Ren. I think so far his games in Hangzhou look pretty good, but I mean, you can't you can't tell from games against someone rated twenty five seventy how you're going to do against someone rated twenty seven seventy. It's almost like a different game, so it, it's hard to draw too much from it. Um, at least he'll have some games under his belt. He'll have played at least, right? So that that'll be worth something. I think Ding's a fantastic player, um, and. Yeah, I don't know. I'm giving him a small edge over Caruana. Maybe because Caruana's already been there once. And for Ding, it it might be more like this is his best shot at the World Championship right now. Mm-hmm. So maybe he comes super motivated, although it's all it's all mystery to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's an incredible player. So look forward to his games. Wow. Well, I also have Ding at number three. So I guess we agree on on that one. Um, but I, I would love to see him make it. Uh, I think watch, yeah. seeing a match with Carlson versus uh, like a full-powered Ding Loren I think would be <coughs> amazing. Um, he's also a brilliant uh, Kings Indian player. So I mean, just like I there was someone on Twitter. I, I couldn't believe it. They were like they were like Ding is not a great player. And then uh-huh. people were like questioning, like, what do you mean? And then and then they were like, Ding has never played a brilliant game. Show me one brilliant game. Oh, my God. No, that's so and, and people were going insane, like linking them all these like fantastic games. <laughs> I, I was just so shocked by that. I, I couldn't. It was definitely one of the strangest internet takes I've seen. But yeah, I think he's great and I would love to see a match, but um, I, I'm going to give Faruja and Caruana uh, slightly better chances on my list. Right. I want to say as a fan, I'm a huge fan of Ding and the way he plays. I definitely think he has a, a you know, let's just say those, the Faruja's in his own category just because he's young, but Ding and Caruana have both made, let's say, contributions to the way the game is played. And we could talk extensively about what what those contributions are, but we'll just leave it for now and, and uh, say that they are both those guys are on a different level and kind of in argue, you know, coming to close to their last chance, you know, like Ding is um, 29, Caruana is 29 as well. Right. So it's not like they have that much time left for this really to work out. Yeah, I'm yeah. also 29. Damn. <laughs> you got to get that GM title, buddy. Yeah. yeah, but if you play with one of us GMs, we're not gonna like go easy on you. No, we're gonna be gatekeeping, gatekeeping, my friend. All right, number two. Number two. This one's kind of hard to me. I'm a huge Caruana fan, but I'm putting Caruana at number two, and um, I wonder about Caruana's motivation and if he's been able to successfully like improve his game. You know, and be interested, uh, you know, in continuing to have the fire. Because I feel like at this level, like one thing that's really impressed me with Carlson is I think most people after they reach the top would not have the fire to keep working at their game. But my sense of it is Carlson loves the game so much. that He's just like, no, man, I'm going to play every chance I get. I'm going to study every chance I get. Whereas most mortals would just be like, oh, dude, this is a lot of work. This is a lot of work. And so uh, 
I wonder, I, I have slight reservations about whether Fabi's got the full all-in commitment that he's going to need to win this event, you know? Um, <clears throat> but in any case, yeah, he's number two. Fabi's definitely my number two right there. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, Carlson's comments about whether or not to defend his title speak to that question of, you know, does he have the energy for it? Does he think it's a lot of work? Does he think it's a drag? Uh-huh. I, I think there's some element to that. I agree with you. Like for most of his career, he's, he's worked really hard. He's enjoyed playing chess, but I think something about the preparation to playing ratio with the world championship, maybe some, something in there, he does consider it partly a drag. I mean, it's not just that he made it up for, for an interview. Um, I think, Okay, so now I'm going to put rapport here for number two for myself. I might be a couple months early on rapport, but I think he's already playing 2800 level, which means that he has to be considered to be among equals with the other top three, Ding, Faruja, Caruana, rapport. I think those four players are playing at a 2800 level right now. Um. So there you go. I have, I have him edging them out. You know, maybe he improves a little bit more by the time the candidates come around. He's working hard. David, this is an obscene take. I'm just going to go ahead and say this is an obscene take. <laughs> if the kid were like, if Rapport were like 19 and we're just jumping on the scene, I could understand the enthusiasm. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's kind of already established at 26. Could he make a little bit of gains? Yeah. But my God, what are we talking about? He's at 2776. I mean, if you want to put him at four, I put him at four. That was controversial on my part. But but two dog? No. How, how much lower about, would you, how much lower would you put him than number four? He's fourth by rating, Jesse. You think okay. he's overrated? I'm saying that the top three are the established top three. Okay, so I'm just gonna put it there. If you're putting anybody else in that top three, you you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind to think <laughs> that it's not Ding, Faruja, and Karawan in the top three. All right. That would so, be like saying when you rank the best players of all time, it's got to be Fisher, Kasparov, and Carlson. You can argue about that order. But if you bring some other clown face into that order, you are just lost, my friend. What you about Karawana a couple thing. years ago? <laughs> what do you mean a couple years ago? Karawana a couple years ago was rated higher than, than Fisher and pretty close to Kasparov. Caruana, but that was with the inflated new ratings. But okay, Caruana has been there. Let me just say about Caruana, he's been in the top three forever, you know? So to say that he's not in the top three in this event, it's okay, Dave. We have our passions. I understand. Hey, guys, I think, honestly, I think we should save the greatest of all time discussion for maybe another time. Yeah, Because I would love too. to get into the, uh, yeah, yeah, let's do that the old debate. Let's do that one. All right. We're going to find that one, too. Yeah. Jesse, I want you to I want you to to tell us like what you're going to say or feel when rapport is over twenty eight hundred. Are you going to say that I was right? If if he makes it, let me just say I'm twenty eight hundred. Let me just say first of all, I'm a huge fan of the way he's been playing. You know, not yeah. just uh, this last event. I mean, he plays interesting chess, and he plays positions um, that accept risk in a way that I think is very fascinating so i'm a huge fan of the guy it's just uh 2800 is a totally different club totally different club so will i be surprised yes i will be i'll surprised. bet you i'll bet you 50 50 
He's over 2,800 in 15 months. If, what does that mean, 50-50? Just, just equal odds. If I win, you just have to go on, on stream and say that I was right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you have to say something like, Jesse was right again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, 15 months. So July 2023. <laughs> July 2023, 2800. Okay. That's good, man. All right. <laughs> we might spice it up. Richard too. Rapport is already doing like <laughs> silence. <laughs> <laughs> we might spice it up too. Be- with some other uh, thing that other than just saying. The other guy was yeah. right. I mean, look, guys, I, I like him as well. It's just like, okay, he also has been giving these interviews where he's just like, I hate chess. I wish chess right? was never invented. I wish I never yeah. learned how to play chess. Like, yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. Um, bode well necessarily. So, okay. Um, all right. Well, clearly you guys have uh, Faruja at, at number one. I put Faruja at number two. And uh, obviously this means I'm going with Fabi at number one. Mm-hmm. And I think for me the reason is... Really, I mean, I would love to see Faruja uh, win. Obviously, I think that would be an amazing match against Magnus. I think Caruana versus Magnus Part Two would also be uh, amazing. Uh, given the you know they had the experience of the first match, it was a draw after twelve games. You know, Magnus himself said he doesn't consider Fabi like a better uh, or a worse classical player than than himself. Um, and and so for me, Fabi is honestly the only player in this list that I don't have any uh, questions about. Like Ferrugia, okay, might might be that he's like too young or too inexperienced. It's his first candidates. You know, it, it could be kind of a tough time for him. Like I don't fully know for sure. Again, would love to see him do well. And then everyone else, it's like, yeah, ding, we're not exactly sure where he's at. Everyone else, like maybe not just up to that level. But Caruana, like honestly, no doubts. Like I feel like he's. Uh, you know, I kind of expected him to win the last one. I think he was, I think he had reasonable chances, but yeah, to me, he still just seems like the most solid top player outside of, uh, outside of Magnus. But honestly, the top three for me, they're very, very close. Uh, as, as Jesse said, Caruana, Ding, Ferruja, I just feel like anyone outside of those three would be for me, a a major surprise. Major. You hear that, David? You hear that, buddy? I, I hear it. You guys each think there's three who's close, but I, <laughs> respectfully, Kostya, I think to your description of Faruja as maybe too young, maybe too inexperienced, you should add maybe too good. I think we need a third adjective there. He's um, very good. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, he might be too good. And let me just add as a Fabi fan of somebody who's watched him for years, uh, it's got to be said that the guy has suffered, and you see it in the rating. He's been around, hovering around 2,800. Remember, Fabi was the closest to Magnus of anybody. Yeah. And there was a brief moment in time where he could have snatched the, even the number one spot, mm-hmm. right? Um, but now he's fallen to 2,780. That's the lowest he's fallen in a long time. And so yeah. there's just a lot of questions around it. And Faruja, I mean, the kid's 18. At 18, you're just getting better. You're just getting better game after game. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I think you got to put Faruja first. Does that mean, you know, if I say there's a 75 to 80% chance that the top three win, maybe it might even be higher than that. But anyways, I was conservative there. You know, what are we saying? We'd be saying something like, ah, you know, 23% Faruja or something like that. I mean, it's going to be a brutal tournament. Yeah. Brutal tournament. Yeah. Jesse, one thing, <laughs> if you look at Caruana's rating at, at 2780, you'll see that it's only 
four and a half points higher than Richard Rapport's rating at this point, who you deny top tier status here. Yeah. And I bet you the following, and you can, okay. you can get chess numbers to, to supply yeah. you with, with the data. I bet you that if you ask chess numbers, the performance rating of Caruana over the last 12 or 18 months and Rapport over the last 12 or 18 months, you'll find that Rapport's performance rating is going to be higher. In other words, if FIDE ratings had started 18 months ago and they just, just everybody started from a from a zero and played each other, that Rapport would currently be higher rated than Caruana. Well, I mean, that's obvious in the sense that he has made a big jump. Yeah. You know, he's, he's gained, you know, 25 points and Caruana's lost 25 points. So you have to assume that his performance rating is higher than his rating and Caruana's is lower than his rating. And all I'm saying is like the return to the mean for Caruana. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. you know, honestly, if we had done this a year ago or even six months ago before yeah. Caruana had dropped the points, I would have said Caruana's my top pick here. Yeah. For sure, like Kosia's doing here. Yeah. Honestly, for me, Caruana <laughs> reminds me a little bit of um, Vichy in 2014, where, mm-hmm. well, actually, not exactly, but a lot of people weren't expecting Vichy to win that candidate. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of just walked in and he was like, I don't know, didn't collapse, won a couple of games, <laughs> just qualified for another match. And I, I don't know, I feel like once you play at that match with Magnus, it's just like, yeah. Yeah, you you can just win any tournament for the rest of your life, right? Like that was already the hardest experience you're ever gonna have. So anything else, I think, is is not as bad. And he already won the tournament once, so it's like right. It, he okay. clearly knows he can do it. Yeah. yeah, he knows he can do it. But Farouja's got other plans, you know. Farouja's got got to become the youngest world champion. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm. Don't worry. I I will hail King Faruja when when the time is, when the time is right. <laughs> yeah, and it's got to be said. Like just in terms of the fan interest, it's just amazing that Carlson has been like, "I want Faruja." It's it's a beautiful thing too. It's just as a fan, it's like normally I would think most humans would be like, "I don't want to face the Wonder Kid." You know, I don't yeah. want any piece of him. And Carlson's like, no, this is what I need in my life right now. This is what I need. Yeah. I need to face the kid. You yeah. know, so it's like, oh, this is this is great, man. So I think from a fan's perspective, I think it's also like what we what we need. I, I don't think I think this, too. If someone besides the top three wins, then it's possible then we can start thinking about like, oh, Mag- maybe Magnus bows out. And that would be terrible for the chess world if Magnus doesn't play the world champ. It would, for me as a fan, it would be cataclysmic. It would really <laughs> hurt me from a variety of standpoints if he did. Oh, yeah. uh, and I would lose a lot of respect for him. But I, one of the interesting things about him is, you know, he wants the challenge. And so that's just a cool thing. It's just a cool yeah. thing. And I can imagine him even being like Caruana, Poo poo, but Caruana, let's remember, lasted the distance in the classical games against Magnus. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let me say one more thing that Jesse might find controversial or upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> Although you did also put Ferruja first, but all this talk of the top three and like how close they are, I would actually say Ferruja is like peeking out ahead of my second through fourth who are in a group. So I would say there's Ferruja. Uh-huh. Then there's Rapport, Ding, and Caruana. And then there's the rest of the guys. 
Uh-huh. Um, okay. that, that's not so, such an insane take. I feel like Magnus was in a very similar position when he was coming up, where he was just the clear, clear heir to, to yeah. the throne. And I know the whoa, ratings whoa, whoa. are still like close right now, but I think, I th- I, I think that Ferugia has like like a perceptible advantage on the others. Wait, but we gotta say there's just we can't compare Ferugia to where Magnus was. Magnus was already world number one. Well, he didn't I, have to compete with Magnus. <laughs> Ferugia would have been world number one if not for Ding, you know, and Magnus. If not for, if not for Xu Xiangyu and Magnus Carlson. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So okay, well, this was fun. We're going to come back to this. We're going to. There's going to be a variety of storylines developing here, and honestly, it wouldn't. I'm going to say there's an outside possibility that this uh, gets shaken up again. I think Rajabov. Uh, the way he bowed out at the last tournament, uh, it was almost like he wanted not to play. And Magnus and others said that I felt it felt like that, like he didn't actually want to play. He hasn't been playing. It wouldn't surprise me if like if Rajabov feels the slightest, if, if somebody gives him an out, he will take that out. And then we might get another player in this list. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was saying that would be funny if Rajabov was like, yeah, I I cannot play while this injustice, you know, has happened to my good friend Karyakin, or I cannot play while right. this injustice is happening, you know, in, in Ukraine. Like, <laughs> comes up with right. some reason that would be pretty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Well, guys, cool. Good list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and let's say, I mean, this is almost a dream list. I mean, it's 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 incredible. It's funny that you know the guys came out of that that we've got three sort of people who don't even play in tournaments who showed up and made it yeah. into this. Yeah. But I mean, they're sick. We're excited to see them play. I think Honestly, they're all in be, great form. It would be a perfect list if if Rajabov was subbed with Aronian. Then I think it would be just like Yeah. And I, I'm not an expert on the regulations, but it would not surprise me if that's what the regulations say. However, Rajabov was is officially like the um what do they call it? The the special pick. The wild card. The, he's officially the wild card. So if he yeah. bows out, then I think it's another wild card situation, mm-hmm. right? In which case, you, no one knows. No one knows <laughs> who would yeah. be put in there. Um, yeah. Wait, let me. I think I think I think Aronian or so, Wesley would be pretty awesome too. <laughs> let me recap our official rankings for for everyone listening. So we have Ferruja at an average ranking of one point three three, Caruana at two point three three. Ding at 3.0, Rappert at 3.67. Then next on our list is Duda with an average score of 5, Naka with an average score of 6, Nepo at 6.67, and Rajava with a score of 8. So those are our average, average rankings. Yeah. All right, we'll see how we do. And yeah, I guess we'll right. revisit if, if the list changes somehow. Yeah, don't go editing this list, Jesse, after the results come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's after the whole thing's over we'll we'll flash this on we'll yeah. flash this I, on i want to hear you say it. the words proust was right once in my life <laughs> i need it i need it <laughs> okay. all right guys that's gonna do it thanks everyone for listening we will uh catch you guys next time take care